Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and on this occasion I am joined by a very tired Tony Anderson. More tired than normal, Tony. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've got... If people could see me right now, I just piss... I like piss holes in the snow. Uh, I got very carried away with uh, Hibernian's result, and I've mainly been in the pub for the last two days and I had to work today, so uh, not great. One of our Patreon subscribers spotted me in the pub, I heard my voice because I nearly got chucked out of the pub for uh, singing, singing in Dr. Bell's beer garden. Give the body Riley. And he obviously couldn't mistake my gravel pit voice. <laughs> it came over, but and then Chris got him. Oh, the guy seemed like nice, but I was I had to tell him I cannot do this. I am absolutely mortal. I'd be in the pub for 11 o'clock in the morning because uh, I was going to kilt thin. So the boys saw me at my absolute worst. Uh, so I apologise for that. I'm sure you're listening. Uh, uh, I wish I could have been a, a normal person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my friend Sam told me, sat down and I just, and I just uh, he was like, Charlie, he was like, oh, I like the show. And then um, I was like, oh, cheers. I appreciate that. And then I, didn't, I was like, I don't know. I said, I'm absolutely steaming, mate. And then uh, I just didn't, I panicked. And then I picked up the hand sanitizer and pretended to squirt it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like that boy decided then, yeah, I'll probably get back to my own table now. Yeah. <laughs> and you've probably lost a few quid a month, Fowler, would be my guess. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that was what you gave him. <laughs> <laughs> In return, let me, let me pretend to drink hand sanitizer. <laughs> oh, that guy signs up. It's worrying. All he gets when he beats me is, 
me try to pretend to drink a poison. Um, <laughs> so there you go. As I say, mate, I apologize. I'm, I'm, I am like that quite regularly. So that would be a lie for me to say I'm not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what a wonderful bloody day because it was the easiest day I think I've ever seen for a hips team at hand and further, I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, let's let's go to that game. Apart, apart from apart from me, uh, that's a lie. Obviously, Kilmarnock when we beat the five one, that was pretty good. Oh uh, yeah, uh, right. um, uh, but, yeah. Let's let's go to that game first. So that was a game on Saturday. Hibs defeating Dundee United two 0 to to make it to the Scottish Cup final. If you listened to the Patreon that Tony did with Tom, uh, you would have won money because I won money. Uh, Craig Cairns won money. Uh, did you put it on as well? Yeah, yeah, I won a bit. I put a fiver on it. Uh, sure. I said, and the last time, the last time it was. 55 to 1. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, those two reviews, if you had, if you listened to them and put the bets on, what, 55 to 1 for a fiver, what's that, about 280 quid or something like that? Yeah. And then if you put a fiver on the 16 to 1, what's that, about 80 quid? Next time so, I get you to do that, you're not, allow- you're not allowing your co-host to bring a bet as well. You have to pick both. <laughs> okay. Um, aye, that was, uh, so you'd be, you'd be about 350, 360 pound up off those two bets. So it's pretty good going. Because Tom's bet builder, quote unquote bet builder, uh, of, of, was basically about to Johnson to win one nil. Uh, didn't come in. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, right. Let's say uh, Saturday's game. So yes, it, it did. It was very uh, comfortable after a while. Um, didn't start off so comfortable though. First fifteen minutes, could probably say that United certainly on chances edged it. Probably even well, kind of. Now the play was kind of just going back and forth, but United had two. Decent chances in the opening 15. Both I think that, that first one was, first chance was really big chance. That was they a really big up. chance. Because that's the way it all set up and the movement of every player around, that was a really simple through ball where he should just be getting one-on-one of a good angle to drive a ball across the goalkeeper. That that should, you should be, you should be scoring in that. All right. It was Ian Hart's uh, busting forward from midfield. It was a ball from Shankland. It was kind of where... Harks, Harks had both the early chances and it was kind of one of those things where you kind of wondered whether had Gogic been in the team, whether he would allow to, to make those runs and get into the penalty box. Uh, because Hibs, without Gogic in the side, decided both teams kind of... I mean, Dundee United's formation was a bit more fluid, mm-hmm. but Hibs basically lined up in a 4-4-2 with Jackson Irvin mm-hmm. on the left of midfield. So that meant that there was no kind of... Which kind of... Get, I can understand it kind of gets round... The conundrum. You only really have one designated defensive midfielder on the squad. That's Gogic. With Gogic suspended, you have to bring in Halberg. Halberg, even all, uh, he, uh, even after all this time, he, he looks. He always kind of looks like he has something about him without ever kind of showing it uh, for any kind of consistent spell. But and you don't really. He's kind of he was kind of when he was signed. He was kind of seen as a defensive midfielder because Hibbs didn't have one at the time. You could have thought, right, has this guy been brought in to bring the, to play defensive mid? But it's kind of been proven that he's not really that. He's more of a number eight, and so it meant that him and Newell could just play in the centre, two number eights together. Irvin on the left to kind of add just that little bit of balance, so you're not you know leaving yourselves too open in the, in the middle of the park. And then it, it meant as well that whenever kind of Hibbs broke, you had Boyle. Irvin, Dodge, Nisbet, just all kind of attacking the box at the same oh. time. And any time they got a chance to do that when there was kind of space in behind United, it always looked terrifying uh, for United because you've just got these four guys who are, are very good at putting the ball in the back of the net. And while did they could probably count themselves a little bit unlucky that they had those early two chances, they also missed a good few at 2-0. 
that you know maybe would have made things because we saw in the last round Hibbs uh, conceding to Motherwell like mm-hmm. it only takes one for to make Hibbs very nervous and had the had they scored one of them you know who who knows could have forced it to extra time but in the end I thought the kind of real difference between the two sides was that Hibbs have better quality than Dundee United. Well, yeah, that was um, you see that at the goals, especially because um, obviously, if you look at Dundee United's point of view, that first goal they'll be really disappointed. Um, but there was so much smart about what Hibbs done, there, especially Jackson Irvin and Nisbet. He, Nis, uh, Irvin reads that the defender's not going to be able to get a decent clearance on that. He probably should have went back to the goalie or tried to just let it go and put it out of play, even costing a corner. Because Irvin, rather than go up and challenge him, he just stands off him because he sees that he's on the stretch. He's not going to get any purchase on the ball. And then the second smart thing he done was actually being willing to take it down. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people would have done that. I think they would be much more panic. And that shows, again, like I said, that's, that's quality. That's intelligence. And he brings it down. And then that inside pass isn't also the obvious pass. He waits. He takes his time. And obviously, at a moment like that, it's normally pretty frantic in Scottish football. It's unusual for someone to maybe just do that. It took a second. And then, obviously, he sees Nisbet for the, for the square pass. And then he sees Nisbet's finish as top drawer. To slide it, I, I was expecting him to hit it hard. I think mm-hmm. most people would. Uh, but that shows his quality of finishing and something we noticed with Nisbet. People who watch him in the lower leagues, something I didn't realise He's got a variety, he scores a variety of goals. They're all like so different. Um, and it's been really good for Hibs that him, Doidge, and Boyle have all hit form at the same time going into the to the running, which is really, really fortunate. But going back to the to the shape, Fowler, I think I, I said on the review that I thought Hibs were going to go 4 4 2. So they did line up how I thought, except I thought he might have used McGinnis coming off left because that's what he's done a few times before. Um, so when I first saw the lineup, I was assuming that it was just a straight swap. But then for that's what I said. And what I said in the review, if you see Halberg, there'll be no changes. So I got that a bit wrong because uh, he, he used Irvin off the left. Uh, and, but, and Irvin possibly had his had his best game in, in a Hibs jersey. Um, and he had a lot of work to do because Doig at left back the day he gets his young player of the year actually had possibly his worst game in a, <laughs> in a Hibs jersey. Yeah, his use of the ball. And him and Porteous. Uh, Porteous not only very good when he's used to the ball. Don't think he was he was particularly good as well. Although he did play, he did play that ball forward for. Uh, well, it's not to be fair. It's not a complete passes. It's just it's just uh, misjudged by Liam Smith. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I suppose I uh, yeah him and him and Porteous usually two guys who their use of the football is very good to kind of play it out for the back fibs and not really having great days. But if you know if you can win comfortably with those two not being at their best, then that's pretty good. Porto certainly wasn't at his best, uh, even in a defensive sense as well. Uh, in the second half, when you take it off a centre back, <laughs> the centre back's not having a good time. Yeah, and he'd uh, been, been booked, hadn't he? Yeah, he'd, he'd been um, booked. He'd, 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 I think he'd lost Shankland for one of the kind of opportunities as well that United mm-hmm. had. Uh, but I mean, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I I didn't see this game, so you're going to have to kind of carry this this one. Well, I have seen it, but, no, but, but um, it's hard to kind of but, talk but, too much about it once kind of Hibs opened the scoring because not a lot happened yeah. between Nisbet scoring and then Dodge scoring. And then quite a lot happened after that. It was quite an entertaining game after after it went 2-0, which is usually weird to say, but, but it did look like United were going to get themselves back in it, or at least it looked like there was going to be a third goal in the game. Because I cashed out on yeah, that because I was like, it looked certain that there was going to be another goal because yeah. there were chances at both ends. So what, like, um, Dundee United, as you said at the start of the game, the... As I said on the review, the only way Dundee United can play this narrow, sort of like top-heavy formation that they go with is they have to play aggressively. 
like they did against Aberdeen because you either to play in that shape with no width, with no real outball, essentially. That's what yeah. they don't have. You either have to play intricate football through the middle of your team, which I don't know. Fuchs, I didn't think I thought was poor for for especially for his sort of level uh, of what we've seen this season. I don't I think he got caught in a lot of two minds about what his role in the team was. But you saw it, they they were having to get players to go beyond. So that's what they've done. So Hark's done that at the start. Then they stopped doing it because I thought at the start I was shocked because they were, I, I said, the reason I fancied Hibs is because, as I said, I thought they had to play in a really aggressive way like they did against Aberdeen. And I thought they'd be too scared to do that with what Hibs have in the forward positions. And this way they'll, they'll, they'll struggle to hurt Hibs. And that's kind of, once they stopped doing that, that's exactly what happened. And it was easy for us. But at the start they were brave and they were really brave because their formation and the style they actually allowed Robson just to be one-on-one with Boyle. And I thought Robson done absolutely great on Boyle till it got 2-0. So before that, it, 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 Boyle was seeing loads of the ball and he was constantly getting one-on-one and he, and he never really got past him. Once the only, the, this bit chance that we just passed the post, Boyle sort of just made that kind of happen. He just, a bit of luck, it hit off him. He never able to get a clean, clean crossing. Um, so Robson, I thought they were doing that really, really well. And then they sort of stopped doing it. And I say once they do that, that that front three, you can't really get into it. They can't, they don't really have loads of pace to go beyond. They don't like McNulty doesn't like going wide. He wants to play in between the posts. Um, and then Clark he sort of, sort of got swallowed up a bit uh, by Halberg. So like they, they started off like I was like, right, they, they are doing what I thought they would do. And then they stopped that pressing, Fuchs sat much deeper, and then Hart stopped going beyond the strikers. And then that, that then suddenly. That, that shape and that shape they have makes them just really powder puff and easy easy to play against. And then they get back in it when they bring on a pair. And when they go and they, they go with a wide player and they, they play a more sort of traditional formation. That's when Dundee United started to really well kind of hurt Hibs at that point. Yeah. The Hibs were on the ropes for a little while then. And I haven't looked it up, but I can't imagine that Dundee United have had many points this season from losing positions because they're just not a really a team set up to do it. They, they worked very well against Aberdeen because a lot of the times they were attacking space mm-hmm. in in around or behind Aberdeen's defence, and you saw that early on in the game against Hibs. The, the, the opportunities Hibs, like like I said earlier, would not have a defensive midfielder. There was that opportunity for Hearts to go and attack, and he wasn't really getting picked up. But then once this bit opens the scoring Hibs, that that space that the opposition gives you in terms of defence, it, it just gets that little bit smaller, and they don't. It's what United fans have said all season. And Jandu Fuchs has definitely been an upgrade in the midfield, but he's not really that much of a creative spark himself. So they've just lacked, they've never had all season anybody like anywhere near number 10 or even like a creative number eight like Joe Neal. They've mm-hmm. just, they've not had anybody like that all campaign. And as soon as they go behind, especially to like a, a better, stronger team like Hibs, then it's just going to be so hard for them. And, and and even though they had those chances later on, and yeah, they did start to get in Hibs and hurt them, but it's still one of those things where it's like, well, the onus is now on Dundee United to go and, and get bodies forward. And mm-hmm. you can and say, nerves well, to the Hibs team, it's a semi-final. Aye. You're on the brink. It's like kind of naturally sort of starts that almost. It just happens in happen. football games, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like yeah. Because teams... like with Fuchs, like he's been, like I was wanting, I was expecting him to sort of press further up the pitch. That's what I thought they would do to get that creative spark. That's what the Dungeons have I've seen them do a few times um, a few weeks back when they, they bloody scored because he won he won the ball at the touchline. Like he went on a run and chased the player down and then it enrolled it back. 
uh, and they scored that really tidy goal. I forget who it was against, but it was a really, really nice goal. And I was, and then against Aberdeen, he was doing the same. That's what I thought they can, they can get that fake creativity where it's about using him to go and win the ball high up the pitch. And then with the strikers they've got, if they win it in the last third quickly, with McNulty's movement and Shanklin's intelligence, you do, you do it fast. You can, you can create loads of goal-scoring chances that way, but they're not going to do it in a traditional way. So that's why I expected them to use Fuchs like that. But I see that it looked like to me he got caught in two minds about his role and then he sort of just got lost. Well, it almost, it almost seemed like he had kind of two roles to do. It was the same with Nicky Clark. It was sometimes hard to tell whether United were in the 4-3-3 against Aberdeen or they were in a 4-4-2 because Clark, mm. you see that quite a lot, especially when they were defending. Clark was kind of taken up a left. Certainly Clark was more... It was more on the wing than McNulty was on the other side. McNulty mm. looked a bit more central, uh, which kind of makes sense, I suppose. But it was the same with Fuchs. Fuchs of the midfield three, if you could call it a midfield three, Fuchs was definitely further to the right than anybody was to the left. Because it was Butcher and Harks were basically kind of like one in behind the other. Butcher mm. was kind of sitting and Harks was kind of in front of him. So Clark was kind of coming in there, but also kind of moving out and kind of moving across the attack and stuff. And it all... It could be sometimes that can be really fluid and it can work really well, and sometimes it can just be disjointed and doesn't really offer anything. And Fuchs or neither Fuchs nor Clark, um, for what I saw, I watched the first half uh, with, with the game, or at least I watched kind of up until Doyle just go when the game was still in the balance. I don't think either of them really done much to contribute to the game. Uh, no. Shankland, I thought Shankland was actually all right for the most part. He maybe should have scored one of the chances that he had, but he was somebody who was kind of, and we talked about this on the, on the chat, and I think it was Craig Cairns that said this, that he does he does quite well. He, he's probably better at kind of doing some kind of some of the stuff where he has to come deeper and link with players and act as a decoy and get guys running beyond them. I think that's probably one thing that worked well against Aberdeen as well, is getting kind of McNulty to do the attack and, well, you know, all eyes are on Shankland. So he's better at that aspect, but it means that because they don't really have a lot of creativity, he kind of has to do that because otherwise he's just going to stand at the top of the park and get little service. And be interested to see what happens with Shanklin this summer, whether they, they do reckon it's time to sell him uh, or, well, I was going to say or, I think they might have to sell him if they want any money because I think he's only got one year left of his deal. But at the same time... And they're, and they're skint, don't they? Uh, and they're skint. But they at the same time... The, the whole team took a pay cut, so I'm assuming they're struggling. He's, uh, he's not... He's not exactly had the best of seasons, so I wonder what kind of offer we would I make. I think the smartest one for me, I think, would be Hibs maybe to go in and try and buy him. Oh, there we go. Sell sell Nisbet for, for decent money off the back and then go and buy Shank because I think he would be almost perfect. He'd be the perfect replacement. And then for him, he'd be playing in a team that would be more serviceable to what he wants. Yeah. He would look better at Hibs. I reckon it, for him, because he's had this poor season, he might have to do slightly sideways but if Hibs win the cup he's going to get a really good window to show his talents and in a Hearts, better team and Hearts had the chance to sign him before he went to Dundee United and didn't so mm. it's, it's, I mean, it's I, all set up for him to score the derby yeah, so I, I, I don't know I'm just I, I, people might he still might get a better offer than, than Hibs but I, I could see Hibs if they're willing to spend a bit of money that they make off Nisbet he'd be a perfect replacement in, in style because we've seen with Shanklin similar to Nisbet that there's so much more he's much more rounded player than I actually thought Shanklin was until I watched him this season. And it's exactly the same thing I saw with Nisbet. I was much more around these like Nisbet's got so many more attributes to that than I thought he ever did, including his ability to drop deep, do those little nutmegs he does and then spray the ball. It's And I can see Shanklin. Come so on, Tony. I, lazy. 
The guy's lazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what that was. What was that? Who said that again? John Collins. John Collins. That was it. I. I mean, a lazy remark. So the irony. There's so much irony in that. Um, so I just I think there could be causing Shankland's goal scoring return isn't as high. It might not catch the eye of one. So you might have to do a little sideways move. And if there was ever to be a good sideways move right now, it'd be going to that Hibs team um, when they're in the, if they're in Europe, and you can you might only have to stay for a year, especially if you see. Be good to if Nisbet leaves after one year. Say to Shankland, same thing could just happen to you. Maybe get so. I mean, there could be something in that. That's maybe me just speaking out of turn. If it was really up to me, I'd be going knocking Devante Cole's door down. He's out of contract and offering him. I'm shocked that I'm not read that loads of teams are doing that. Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, they should yeah. all be offering if well, he's I out could, of contract. I forgot to fucking uh, I forgot to bitch about this on, on Friday's podcast. We were talking about Haki Badoffin. I can't believe that he was no. allowed to sign another year deal. Haki, <laughs> it, could be, it could be in the championship next year for fuck's sake. But what's what? everyone doing? These are easy ones. Easy, I would like like these are easy. Ones. Cole and Dolphin both been very good individually this season and shite teams. So that literally gets you excited. Oh, what could they do in my team? So I mean, they're knocking the door down. They're free. Instead, um, Hearts so, are going and, and get some, proven. Hearts will go and get some fucking muck for League One. That'll be absolute <laughs> pish. Yeah, that's, that's what, always what you'll think happen. But uh, going back to the game, yeah, the, the obviously second goal but set a light. So it's like it's a bit bittersweet for that because it was miles offside. Um, but it's, it oh, was, it's one of those mental ones as well where you're like, right, so like for where's instance, the flag? <laughs> like if you think an example, just to get a pop to my head, uh, the relegation derby at Tynecastle where Jordan Foster makes it. Should have made it one each, and it was disallowed mm-hmm. for offside. And you see the replay, and he's a good couple of yards onside, but it's one of those ones where he's going towards the goal as the last defender is going in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of what a linesman sees, it's very hard to call. That was one of those ones where it's just they're all running, they're all running in that direction. He's ahead of the other mm-hmm. guys, so how can you not looking at this? I'm like, how can you not look he's at not that, that immediately? He's not that like, fast sight. Yeah, he's not, he's not, not that, that fast dodge as well. So, I mean, he had to be a lightning to get that far ahead that quickly if they were on level. But um, even though it was offside, the goal um, showed, showcased everything that, that you like about that Hibs front three. Um, like Boyle, that Boyle how he, the, he, the variety that he offers now in his movement, his dribbling style, his crossing, and where he stands on the pitch, he just—he never—he's not a stationary player. He's not a one-trick pony at all. So that's why he came far in for the right in a really central position. Gets the ball into him, he, he, he passes it into Nisbet again. He shows his skill easily on the turn, lays it back to him, and then he plays it a nice through ball. Something you don't really think that Martin Boyle would uh, through balls. It's like it's just another thing you see all the time that Boyle added to his game. It's just, it is actually just ridiculous how good Boyle is, considering how shite he was. He was like obscenely shite, but like, <laughs> and now he's like obscenely good. So like, the, the turnaround is just—it's just—it's absolutely insane. Um, and then Dodge doing a, a very un-Christian Dodge finish because it's like crisp, curled straight into the bottom bins. Um, but it's like off him for like a yard out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, and he curled in. So it's a great finish and uh, really pleased for Dodge. I mean, that's in terms of the Scottish Cup, he seems to be the one for him. So he gets he scored in every round. He's got like, ten goals in nine games in the in the cup, and he's just went on another one of those streaks. It's just an incredibly streaky player. It's mental. He goes so long, like months and months it's gone, and then he just can't stop. Um, and now he could do something like what Keith Wright done back in the early nineties, where he scored in every round in a, in a cup win for Hibs. And I was saying to a friend, it would just be. 
really funny. Dodge is like the perfect player for that. There's because he's like good, but he's got a bit of cultness about him because he's not that easy on the eyes sometimes. And for him to do that and drag and him, he, to, and he got a hell of a lot of stick his first like three months. Yeah, he got a hell of a lot, and he seems like a really good guy. He's really popular with other teams, and and um, whenever he speaks, he comes across really nice. So it'd be like a good player to have that, like historically, or remember Doji fired tips to the won the cup single handedly, stuff like that. People <laughs> say, you know what I mean? It's not true, yeah. but that's what people say in the future. And I think that's like it's a it's a cool player for that time, rather than it being like your best, like Nisbet or Boyle or whatever. That's the more cult figure who could uh, sort of make it happen. And think bloody fingers crossed. That's Doidge got thirty goals for him. Thirty goals since he signed. It's good. It's a good return. Well, if he's going to get that cult status, then he's going to have to help Hibs to get over what I think a lot of people are calling their bogey team in St. Johnson, because St. Johnson defeated St. Mirren, the All Saints semi. Uh, so that means Saint, 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 St. John- Saint, 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 I've given them three. St. Saint, St. Johnson, uh, and it's now Mirren, going back to old terrace rules. Uh, they should probably oh, okay. keep that for a while now, because it's a cup semi-final. It's you know, quite a big game between the teams. Anyway, our rot- rotten part aside, uh, this, I thought this was... Yeah, please. I thought this was... <laughs> I thought this was a brilliant game. Uh, really enjoyed it all the way through. Uh, maybe I had a wee, bit, a wee bit of a lull, maybe in the points in the second half, kind of like around the bit of the kind of hour mark. But overall, I, I thought it was just a, a terrifically entertaining football match. There was chances for both teams. Uh, so Johnson had an obscene number of shots compared to Samirin, but we actually think of like the, the best chances in the game. Samirin maybe even edged it. Uh, Erwin had the great chance, obviously. He had the first two, the best two chances Aye. before Erwin the, and then the Colin, Colin Queener uh, off the Colin bench. Queener, uh. we, we can get to his cameo in a bit. <laughs> so, it was just, yeah, it was, tactically, I don't know if there was too much to say about this. You maybe have different opinions, but it was two teams that kind of, kind of matched up and that they both played with a three at the back. So, Johnson went with the 3-4-3. Three, three. They had, well, this one on the left, Kane kind of on, kind of on the right, but kind of, moving inside a little as well. Whereas St Mirren went with the 3-5-2, where it was definitely kind of, Doyle Hayes was sitting as a defensive midfielder and you had McGrath and Erhorn in front of him. And then the front two were Erwin and Dennis. Uh, and I kind of thought that was, I thought the main difference between the teams overall was that St Mirren didn't really get anything for their front players. Um, Dennis was... Pretty ineffective. He had wee moments. I thought he was the wrong sub to make still, even though he did, wasn't having a good game. I thought the fact that he is a bit more mobile and a bit quicker than Erwin. I thought if you're going to take him off then and bring Quainer on, I think you would maybe... First of all, I wouldn't have brought Quainer on. I would have brought Abika on uh, for Erwin. Um, but if you're going to Abika was a bit... Is he not running with an injury, though? Where is he? Abika. I think He was so on I... the bench. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that so... was just... Well, I was going to say breaking case of emergency, but <laughs> what other emergency could there be? <laughs> <laughs> Um, just because uh, he's just better at kind of holding the ball up and stuff, and I thought that was something that Erwin had a couple of times. He had, I think, for one of maybe one of the chances, he, he kind of he, he won a header that then kept the ball at the park. There was a, a time in the first half that was maybe a, a decent opportunity as well, or a kind of a half chance where he, he had a very nice touch for a long ball up. But other than that, he, he didn't hold the ball up enough. He gave the way uh, possession quite cheaply in the build up to St. Johnson's first. Yeah, I don't think he played well. Whereas on the other side, although to be fair, I don't think Melamed played well, but Kane did. And then once Glenn Middleton came on, he was incredible. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. I was, they're like, this, these are these things that happen. There's certain clubs now, like Livingston and St Johnston are the ones 
where just if you sign for them, you're good. Regardless, like, regardless of what your background is, where you've been before. Especially if you played for Hibs before. Uh, well, yeah, certainly for St. Johnston, I but you're back there back. No matter your background is, no matter when it comes, you're like, oh, that sounds like a shit signing. On paper, that's a shit signing. And then, oh no, it wasn't a shit signing. They've now got, and that's how they seem that they have these ridiculously deep squads now. But most of them are getting paid fuck all because they came off the back of nothing. Uh, they like they were traveling the lower league, so you wouldn't think. So now it looks like they've got these like ridiculously deep squads, Livy and um, and uh, St Johnston. But before I was saying, like I said this on the previous show, there was a period we looked at St Johnston squad. You said they're carrying loads of deadwood. Uh, like uh, players that you're like, oh, you're not. That's, they've got too many players, and loads of them are shite. And Middleton's never done anything anywhere. Like Middleton's always been this player that I'm told is good. Um, <laughs> like and- it, he looked good when he first went into the Rangers team, and I, I was just kind of thinking there. I wonder whether it's to do with the fact that he's just not a very good winger because he's pretty much used him just as a winger. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd said he, he did have the issue of being under Paul Heckingbottom, and I think uh, a winger would possibly be one of the worst positions to play in a heck and bottom team because he's so structured and rigid. Yeah. Um, and so he didn't really ever get going, but I just never really saw any sort of attribute for for, for Middleton when he played for him. Like, I don't, not quick. His touch wasn't good. He seems scared when he gets the ball. Uh, so I just get, I didn't see it at all. And then he just played for, basically to me, just this guy plays for Scotland under 21s and no one else. That was sort of what it was like. <laughs> right, for St. Johnson, he seems to have only really been played as either a forward or one of those number 10s. So I wonder mm-hmm. if he's just like somebody who, you, you look at him, like fast, tricky, ah, winger. But mm-hmm. he's maybe just not a winger. He's maybe just somebody that needs to play through the centre. So maybe like Wotherspoon. Wotherspoon found yeah. that position much better for his um, sort of talents than they like, ever did when he was playing sort of wide when he was at Hibs or when he played fullback and stuff like that. They found, so maybe Middleton's the same. They found the shape that, and this is what I was saying that's really good about some of these teams. I was talking that to Tom on the on the, the preview show. Again, we're talking about Livingston, St. Mirren uh, and St. Johnston is that the managers are seem to be really smart and their ability to bring balance to the teams with, with the shape and the tactics, um, because they seem to magnify the players' attributes, and they seem to be able to hide their deficiencies. And all of the teams and players do have quite a lot of deficiencies, but they are able to hide it because they get the balance so spot on, and everyone just gets to play their, their specific role that suits the things that they've got. And it's really quite smart. You've seen it for these sort of young managers um, in the Scottish Premiership, you see for those for those three teams especially. But yeah, Middleton just completely sort of turned the game on its head. He brought it because the game was was going nil nil till he came on. It was going. I thought Melamed had the worst game I've ever seen him play. He was just anonymous uh, in the game. And as you say, Kane was superb. And Kane's that. And now it's like he's been improved in other aspects of his game this season. His touch is much better. His work rate's better. He again the the shape and the players around him really boost his attributes. But in recent weeks, you're talking about that Rangers game. And in this game, he's bringing the goals as well. And the goals in the crucial, most crucial times, I thought that goal he scored was really smart. People would maybe just glance at it and just see it as like a sort of tap-in that he just stretched. But I think he was very deliberate to make sure he let it go, get across the defender, a really good movement, then let it go across his body and then divert it, wait till the ball's further away. He could have probably got to it earlier. But he waits it, so he uses his toe and that makes it diverts the ball into the bottom corner. It's like a deliberate sort of movement. Uh, and then it goes straight at the bottom bins and it's an absolutely brilliant finish and a great goal for, for St Johnston. Yes, and the second goal was a great finish as well. Or was, or was it? <laughs> it's a great strike. Mate, I, I, said, I, was, I, said this, I said this on the chat. 
uh, there was the fact that nobody's I'd never seemed to see any mention on Twitter or on the telly about uh, Alwick from it, and everyone just talking Anik. about how good a goal is. You see, Anik. Like, uh, he, Anik, Anik was fucking diabolical at that. He just sits <laughs> down, and then you see him making the goal, it's no far away from him. You've got to save that. He falls over, he falls over, he loses his foot, and his foot, he moves his foot as shit, then he falls on his arse, and it goes yeah. in. The could have, it, it probably could have been even closer to him, and he still wouldn't have saved it because he. He, he falls. It was a good hit, a very good hit for Middleton, but it's one of those ones that the goalie should be parrying away for a corner. Absolutely, yeah. People should be like, oh, exciting. They, 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 and there's fans that go, oh, big clap, round of applause. But it's, they should be going and nestling into the net. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame for Anik because he's been superb for St Mirren this Even season. Even in the rest of the game, he made a, uh, a decent save in the first half. I think he'd, had he been beaten by Sean Rooney's uh, left foot curler from like 25 yards. Yeah. Questions might, we, might have been asked. Might uh, have to have fallen over then as well for that to go in. He, make, he makes he, a good save for Rooney later on for the header. Ah, that, that was a very good save. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's had a very good season, so it's a bit of a shame. But yeah, yeah, it's right. It's weird that there's not really been more kind of kind of criticism of him because he did that was I thought that was quite poor. And it, yeah, it's a crucial it lost in the game. Ah, lost in the game. It's about the score after, and yes, like we were saying, the Dundee United Hibs game onus is on St. Man then to go forward and, and St. Johnson, but you kind of I don't know, you just have more faith in St. Johnson to just kind of hold out a 2-0 mm. lead than you do him. So. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, had it been 1-0, would they have held on? Mm, not too sure. Uh, so, then I thought, uh, I, I saw somebody, uh, it was, I think it was uh, Div McDonald, who does Pine Bovro, who I think also is in charge of the, the Black and White Army uh, t- Twitter account, which is the St. Mirren fans forum. And he was saying that he thought that, that St. Mirren bottled it in this game. I was like, I really couldn't like disagree more with that. Unless unless we're just using the word bottle to mean lose a big game. Like, is that, is that what it's become? Is that now a byword for just losing a big match? I think that's, that's, how, it, that's how it feels to me. Because yeah, I support Hibs, so it's levelled at Hibs every waking minute of every day. Uh, like every time that they lose, if they lose a derby, whatever like that. So I hear it a lot. And yeah, I do something like, no, it's... It can be quite a lazy thing to say a lot of time. I think I'd say I'm much more willing to say that they bottled it when they played Livingston because they just yeah, didn't definitely. take part in that game. They, they were so timid. Game. They were so uh, timid against Livingston. The players and the tactics, everything about their like the personnel, the selection, everything. Everything mm. was so timid against Livingston. They should have they should have done more to go out and try to win that game. They tried to go out and win this game. They just did, they didn't take their chances. That doesn't mean you're necessarily bottling it. Players miss chances all the time without you know. You know, doing that. Erwin was very, I thought he was very unlucky. Like, yeah, should he score for that kind of range? Yeah, possibly, but he's got the ball on target. He's not expecting, like, Xander Clark almost kind of turns his body away from him. It's a fluke. It's an absolute fluke. He doesn't, because people are saying that he does well to say that. He doesn't make himself bigger. They always say make yourself big in that point. He makes himself smaller. He got away with murder. Because he looks scared, if you ask me at that point. Uh, but I just think of this, that's things are going St Johnston's way. You, you, um, bottle, you bottle a big game. Season. You bottle a big game if nobody plays well. Uh, you bottle a big game mm. if you play timidly and you, you barely even attack and nobody's, everybody's afraid to try something. You bottle a game if you're playing well and you can see the goal and then you completely go to shit. Like, so Hibs, mm-hmm. so Hibs like St Johnston. Hibs didn't say a thing against like St Johnston. Yes. So That's exactly did, what happened. But, they did, they didn't bottle the start with. And then, yeah, as soon as St Johnston scored, Hibs fucking shat it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that is bottling it. That that's an example of bottling it. But Simon did not bottle it. A number of Simon players had good games. Dermis Dermis was up and down because he had him, him against Rooney was a great battle because mm-hmm. there, there was times where 
It's like, a bizarre, it's a bizarre, at the start of the season, would have you ever thought the battle in a scary final would be Dermis at left wing back and Rooney at right wing back? Uh, like, just, <laughs> just, 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 like, that's, it's just bizarre. It was great as well because you had like Dermis like dominated like the first 15, 20 minutes and then Rooney like dominated the next 15, mm. 20 minutes. And then they kind of went back and forth in the second half as well. It was a really good one-on-one like tussle between the two of them. And I thought that uh, in the centre of the park, the big key for St Mirren is I kind of alluded to it well. I mentioned the two forwards didn't play well. Quainer came off the bench, didn't play well. But also, Jamie McGrath didn't play well. And he certainly did not match the input of his two centre midfield partners, Jake Doyle Hayes and Ethan Erehon. Especially Doyle Hayes. I thought they were both excellent mm. uh, in this game. Uh, Doyle Hayes, like the amount of times he broke up play, but his use of the ball as well was, was so good. Erehon just always seemed to continually find a St Mirren player. So much composer. Composure and possession. Class, he's so classy player. Uh, yeah, he's still that, 19 when, as well. Yeah, when he done that pirouette, I was like, I was purring at that. Like seeing a 19-year-old in a cup semi-final doing that little skill pirouette to get away from a player. I was like, this boy's confident. He's big. He's got a lot going from Erehon. Um, they'll be looking to hold on. He should have been in for the... That was the biggest one for the young player of the year. For him not to have been nominated, I thought was a, that was the only thing that, that got my goat a wee bit. Instead of Nathan Patterson, who started eight games. Uh, and like, like Erehon's been like a mainstay and he's not played the last couple of games and they've went to him in a semi-final to bring him in it tells you everything you need to know about how highly he's thought of and rated one thing I think that maybe could have been done is maybe brought on Connolly a bit earlier um, I they brought on Brophy earlier because Brophy was good off the bench yeah um, so I think because Connolly I think even for Dermis or maybe even Tate maybe even for Dermis because even though they had a good once Rooney was getting the better of him Connolly might have given a lot to think about going the other way just because he's so quick so I yeah. guess it makes you nervous um, about like Rooney because, as I say, Rooney's like a big part of their attacking arsenal. Now, and that could have maybe swung it in St Mirren's favour a bit more a bit earlier. But I, I, that's an easy thing to say in, in hindsight, in fairness. I also thought St Mirren's back three all played really well because St Johnson, St Johnson kind of had the, the majority of territory and kind of, as I kind of said, they had the most shots and they, I think they put the most boxes, uh, balls into the box as well. But for the most part, St Mirren's back three defended very well. It was just kind of uh, two goals. Uh, Fraser kind of doesn't know what to do with the first one. Um, and also Shaughnessy just loses loses Kane by that yard and that's just enough that he can't quite make up the ground to get the tackle in. Mm-hmm. And also Shaughnessy gives away the free kick for the second one. But he had a really good game apart for, apart for that two-minute spell. He had a great game and it's sometimes just so unlucky for centre-backs because there was one point earlier in the match, I can't remember what it was, but it was somebody, it was somebody ran free. It was a Simon player run free at the, the front post but the ball went over his head. Uh, and it's just like if that ball shot on, he gets to, like that's a goal and you're blaming the centre-half and you're saying, oh, the centre-half should do a lot better there. But because nothing comes to it, I can't remember. It was McCart- McCart- you can't even remember. You can't even remember the person it was. Exactly. That, exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and that that yeah that does it. And it's these positions of defence that it's so cutthroat. Um, I'm, I'm to use I'm, use an easier example further is me and you obviously both are big Ryan Porteous fans, but it's so it's so easy to criticise them uh, because of these moments, these big these these sort of pure mistakes, you get punished for them, and he does get punished for a lot of them then it's like, you're crap. And all that other good work sort of just goes out the window. Yeah. Um, so I can definitely, and that's, and that's, he's, that's a really good example of, of exactly what you're saying here. And Shognessy is, he's not what it's like, like so many defenders, really, I was thinking about this, like Shognessy's in like the Paul Hanlon, uh, Andy Considine sort of bracket that they've been around so long and they had periods in their career where they were pish. Uh, and and people didn't, people didn't really rate them. And then some, it's like some people never accept people have improved. 
like, like, like a narrative never never swings. And I think Shogunzi, well, he's had a decent season. He's a decent, decent premiership centre half. But a lot of people don't want to give him the, any of the credit. And they get, still see people say Paul Hanlon's shite, and like Hibs fan. Like, it's non spawn not shite. He's a good Scottish premiership yeah. centre half. Considine, again, people remember like all the brain farts he had at a younger age. And like he's improved sort of dramatically over time. Uh, and I think Shogunzi suffers from a similar sort of. Um, unfair effect that we have with players here. So I talked about the Samir midfield, also probably should mention Johnson's midfield too, who had a tough task and I thought the Samirin started the game the better and I thought that was kind of where the advantage was coming from in, in that Samirin kind of had the had a bit of an overload in, mid, in midfield with the three in the instead of the two, but then I think it shows mm-hmm. you how good Johnson's two kind of grew into the game that that stopped being a problem quite quickly. Uh, and that was Ali McCann, who, again, uh, was excellent, just kind of doing his Brilliant. usual breaking up play, uh, good use of the ball as well. And Craig Bryson, who, I mean, we can assume that Liam Craig was one of, one the, of, the, one of the players who either caught COVID or had to so, yeah. social uh, to self-isolate after the, the track and trace uh, experts said that they, they had to, because he dropped out completely. Uh, and Bryson to come in uh, for such a big game, having kind of been, he's been in and about the team, but mainly kind of somebody who c- comes in for injuries. And I thought he had a very good performance as well. Not quite at McCann's level, but I think what was quite important about Bryson's contribution was that he was always kind of, he was always there to support. He was always there to receive the ball. He was proper, he was kind of moving a lot around the pitch. And that, I think that really helped Johnson kind of keep a lot of the ball and, and, and put a lot of pressure on Simmons Rugard. He's so fit, Bryson. So fit when he plays. He doesn't look 34, 35 whatsoever. Uh, like I, I think Bryson, every time I've seen him this season, he's been good. He's been injured a few times, but every time I've seen him, I thought he performed really, played really well at Ibrox um, in a league match uh, where I thought like he nearly scored a couple of goals. Uh, and he was sort of the main man. Another guy, and again, this is what we were talking about on the, on the preview show, me and Thomas, it's, as, as long as it wasn't in the back three or Rooney, it was completely interchangeable who those four guys. It was, I didn't think they would miss a beat St. Johnson if they had to begin. They, 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 they rotate in the midfield and forward positions really regularly anyway. And uh, I think, I want to say, like Callum Booth, I thought was really good. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, he was. Second half especially. Down, down the left-hand side. And he's a, another one. Like, just again, like I was I'm talking about earlier, plucking almost from obscurity. <laughs> Callum Booth, like, was... Nobody, nobody bothered when he left him. Nobody bothered about Callum Booth, and now he's, he's, he's good. He's now he's been completely interchangeable with with Tanzer all season. He's used a lot. He was talked about when you were talking about your top twelve fullbacks. He was, I know, I know he didn't make the list, but he was, he was, um, he was sp- spoken heavily about during it. Um, and he, he looks a really good attacking <laughs> the, the, the left fullback. He puts in like sort of really tasty, tasty balls, and it just is it, is it, is it pressure? Is that what is? Do we expect? Like, say your Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen. They just, do the fans make it a more poisonous place to play? Uh, and, uh, it's a, I think it was, so when these guys maybe aren't rounded enough at one point or more is expected of them. Um, yeah, they, quite they, possibly. They, and then it doesn't come off because then they go, like, I mean, Wotherspoon, for example. I mean, the guy's an absolute legend at St. Johnson. There's no way you can tell me that Wotherspoon wouldn't have been good enough to play his whole career at Hibs. He definitely would have been. Um, yeah. But if it hadn't, but he's in at a bad time. Everyone basically got booed out. This Liam Craig as well. Liam Craig. I saw just same. And so it's just that example. Like, so what's the difference? Because when they go there, like they're they're sort of nurtured, they're looked after. Um, 
and and they all do sort of really well. I mean, Motherspoon could end up the next week. He's won three cups at bloody St Johnston, um, <laughs> and and he'll play it. And he'll and then they, like I mean, that's something we've not spoke about really going into the going into the final. It's what an opportunity for the two clubs. We I was saying we said that Tom the review. This is like in terms of the rewards on offer. This is the biggest cup final in years. I got possibly can get money guaranteed wise. like eight games but, in Europe and at least like three million in, in prize money or, or well, so I, and prize I money, whatever you, else goes into it. I read that the, the conference, if you make the groups of the conference, you get a minimum of four million pounds. So you're talking, so even if you don't make the Europa League, whoever wins that game, that's seven million pounds straight into <laughs> your bank. It's just like an like, absolutely huge amount of money. I think you're talking about St. John's, you're probably trebling their turnover with that. Uh, and and like for Hibs, you're probably doubling it. And then if Hibs sell, if you're wrong, Gordon, you're sitting there. If you can, if you can sell Nisbet or Purchase or Dog, you look at Hibs could be making twelve billion quid or something, um, like quite easily. Um, so it's like it's just such like a, a fucking massive game um, for for so many reasons. Like these are, these are kind of moments that you can you can grow as a club over the next five ten years. You can please, you can move it. Please, St. John's. Please, St. John's. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the things that you can do because it's like you, you, since you know that money's coming in, you know you're making the group, so you can budget Europa League. You make that obviously it's like ten million, so it's loads of money. But you know a minimum of coming in is is four. You know that, so when you're doing your budget, in, there's no panic. You already know how much money's coming in. The season tickets already have been sold, so the opportunity to really like to really push forward as a and grow as a club like substantially, not just like have a good season. The, the options there and for St Johnston off the back of this sort of ridiculous decade they've had as a club where like they just didn't get anything wrong. Every manager they bring in is spot on, even going back as far as Lomas, um, and then just bring in Tommy Wright works a treat. Going even further back, Derek McInnes. Owen Coyle before him was pretty good. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking about like that's what the last five management managers over a decade. Everything, right, low mass. Uh, yeah, five. Over, five. Uh, over a decade. Over back a decade. To, so what, Coyle took charge and must have been about, Christ, what, 2006, something like that? <laughs> 15 yeah. years. So like 15 years. And like, so they've had the top six every day. They've done all the things that are fun as a club of, of this uh, uh, Scottish football. So you've been in the, you've been in the, so the top six every season for a decade. You finished third a few times. You won cups, and then you got to you, they got those fun European results like when they went away at Rosenberg and they won. So obviously that that's in terms of Scottish football, that's but as far as it's going to get uh, that you, you're going to get like for Hearts fans, your ones is like you went to Bal and you got the win, or you went to Bordeaux even though you got beat. You know what I mean? But yeah. The, the, those moments, those ninety minutes, there is like the going away from home in Europe and, and coming back with a with a result. That's sort of like peak. So it's like for St. Johnson to have that sort of decade is already unbelievable. And then they could top that off with a double. European football till Christmas. All that money. Um, absolutely unbelievable if, 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 it, if it comes off. And I'm just saying, I've got my, my Scottish football head, my terrace head, if you like. That's all great. My episode is like, just get out the fucking way, St. Johnston. We've got, <laughs> we've got like, it's, it's just... It's like because they're, they're, um, this is disrespectful whatsoever. I, I, I love it. I love Scottish football, but... There's only so big St. Johnston can be. So we'll benefit more from <laughs> we, we can we can we can go we can grow and we can start having twenty thousand people in the ground every time. We people there's more scope for no, no, uh, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm pretty sure St. Johnston when they played Rosenberg and Minsk they sold out both times. Uh, so that's like 
That's a lot of fans. And McDermott Park's like 10,000. So if they can get those people every week, they can be like Dundee right. They could just be here. They could just be the top flight forever. Maybe, uh, maybe. I maybe. I, that's, that's a fair. Point. I mean, it feels that's like they're in the top flight forever anyway. But with, their, ah, with, with the crowds they get, they're still punching above their weight. Ah, no, no, it's fair. You know, I'm just as I said, I had my hips hat on. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, right, can I ask you why, why, have, why have got your hips hat on? Can I ask you one final question before we go? Um, would you rather the final was played at Hamden uh, in front of no fans, or would you rather it was played at Pataudry in front of five hundred fans? It won't be 500, though, because... Probably, yeah, probably more, fact, but it won't be much 500 more. is just the minimum rule. That's the minimum that you're allowed to have, like, events with 500 people outside. OK, but let's say let's say the managers... Organisers keep... organizers would... Um, organize. And to answer your question, Craig, it depends if I'm one of the 500. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> OK, say, say you're not one of the 500. OK, right, OK, say it's Pataudry. Say, say it's 2,000 at Pataudry. Do you think... Would mm. you prefer that? Yes. Watching it on Simply, the TV... Uh, Sim- rather than, than yeah. Hamden. Yeah, simply because the whole point in the game is for people to go and watch it. That's the only reason it fucking exists. So in any way possible, get, and that's why this whole thing about it is, is so scandalous. It, like, it really can't be on. If we've got, if the government's allowing us to have fans for a cup final and people are, can go to the matches, for the, for the football authorities or the clubs, whoever you want to blame for these sort of decisions, to not be able to get that happening, it's a fucking disgrace because that's the only the only thing that matters. It's the only yeah. thing that matters. We we sent out a text yesterday. It's a text, uh, a, a, a tweet from the terrace account yesterday that uh, seemed to upset a lot of uh, Celtic and Rangers fans. It wasn't Shock. having it wasn't having a go at Celtic and Rangers. It was having a go at the SFA and the, the decision to be like because SFA from from reports uh, have tried to contact they've contacted Celtic Park and have contacted Murrayfield apparently they also try to contact Hearts as well as if Hearts would ever fucking go from yeah, they're not, I, don't, I don't it's not unfair I don't I wouldn't want Hearts wandering about Easter Road with a Scottish Cup either at any point so just, <laughs> I mean, it'd be very funny if Hibs lost at Tynecastle the Scottish Cup but you can't <laughs> take the chance you cannot take the chance that Hibs win the Scottish Cup at Tynecastle at Tynecastle uh, in front of fans as well <laughs> exactly Hibs fans celebrating at Tynecastle Probably pissing all over everything, like just smashing well, up. Because... You know, the pubs, well, the pubs would all be filled with his fans. You're not going to allow it to happen, don't they? Because the pubs can be turned in that, that revenue right aye, now. It'd be an absolute riot. So aye. Aye, so, Nonsense. I can't believe you've even aye. fucking asked them. That's just so aye, stupid. Well, it just shows that... Um, but, but so yeah, yeah. sorry. So what I was saying, like they, they asked Murrayfield and asked uh, Celtic Park, and it, it seems like for the reports that the main reason they're not doing it is just because of money, and that's piss poor. But that's not yes, good enough. I know it's going to cost a lot to rent out Hamden or Celtic Park, and I know you're not getting the money back because you can only sell X amount of tickets. But even still, like it's Craig Anderson. The money you have in the bank is only worth is only it's for people to enjoy yes. football. That's and, and, the whole point of and, you existing. Yeah, Craig, <laughs> Craig Anderson said that the chat they're not there to they're not there to make money. The SFA are not there to make money. They're, they're, they're there to kind of govern the game and they're supposed to make sure things like this happen like in these unusual times that we can have fans in the stadium if it can be allowed and it is going to be allowed and you have just decided nah, too expensive, can't be asked. Dude, the, you can't, well, that's what the money's for. Like, that is what, the money's not to help get games on. Then what's the fucking point of your existence? And the, po- and the, so point, the, tweet, the point in the tweet is that I don't think... Uh, the point of the tweet was that if it was either Celtic or Rangers uh, and this happened, that everybody would be talking about it. All the ex-pros, all the ex-Rangers and Celtic players would be talking to the Daily Record, talking to the Sun, talking to the Scott. The talking heads, talking, the talking, talking heads. Talking to whoever, saying, this is absolutely ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. It would be on, it would be on all the radio stations, it would be on Sportsland, it would be on uh, Super Scoreboard, it would be constant 
talk about this pretty much from now all the way up to the final, how ridiculous it was. If pressure, it, pressure, 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 go stay at Hampton. The point of the tweet was that that's unlikely to happen as much because it's Hibs and St. Johnson. And that's not right. We don't have as many, we don't have as many, you don't have as many friends in the media, do you? Yeah, that's the, you don't have as many talking heads that, that anybody cares about printing what they say. Because like, St. Johnston's fans groups already, already came out. So like, I, I read some of the replies talking about make your own uproar. And like, St. Johnston fans are already Mac doing it. If Frank McAvenny has an opinion saying it's <laughs> ridiculous that Celtic are in a cup final and there's no fans and there could be fans, that's a story. If Keith Wright says it, that's not a story. Maybe uh, a story for the evening news, but it's not a story for a national paper. Uh, absolutely, yeah, exactly. And if, if, if I could, we'd, just be, we'd have Rod Stewart telling us all how we have to get on the fucking <laughs> uh, to get the fans in. And that he wants a bloody ticket. That would be the first thing because we've got this weird obsession in, in Scotland that Rod Stewart's like a, a voice of Scottish football. Um, Cunts even wrote a song in about 50 years. Um, so we got, um, so I just think it has to happen. And they, they are trying to make the uproar. Hibs are doing everything they can. I've already seen Hibs come and saying that they're doing everything. Kieran Power, who's sort of like the fan representative at, uh, at, at Hibs. You forget um, he's that. Oh yeah, because obviously we went we went to school with him, but he's been absolutely great. Like I mean, he's a hugely popular figure for doing that kind of job. That is not easy. Uh, you're, yeah. you're putting yourself in a place of easily getting shit. And uh, he sort of message saying that Hibs are trying to do everything they can. They're not really confident, which tells you everything you need to know exactly what you're saying. Um, and to Johnston, their fans are already sort of protesting about sending everything to the SFA but what can you do What you can just keep shouting about it and yeah. they won't do it but it has to happen just pay the bloody money just pay the bloody money I bet if they turn if it's that bad just say to Hibs and St Johnston right there's a there's basically a 200k it costs to rent the stadium or whatever it is I have no idea uh, for the day and to get the police and everything that that's coming out of the prize money yeah aye, yeah. and then and there's, a, and there's a smart thing you can do there for the SFA as well is then on the club. They kick, the, 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 club, the clubs kick up fuss and the fans will fucking murder them. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? If it's over money. So that you would totally, that's the easiest way to do it. Then they don't have to spend their precious bloody overdraft or whatever it is that they're worried about using. And uh, and then the, the, clubs, the clubs could take the hit and they would want it. But you can also sell tickets to the game. Another thing that you can do, you can make some of that money back by selling tickets. Uh, <laughs> 100 quid. You can, <laughs> Like you know, like, so I mean, they fucking are going that going that way anyway. So what difference does it make? Might as well just speed up the process. Just do it now. Um, right. Now, like, like, so I just, it'd be absolutely, dis- dis- it'll be disgraceful if we're allowed fans and we and we just don't. Right. It seems ridiculous. Right. That is us. Thank you very much for listening. We are now going to record the Patreon. Myself and Tony will actually be sticking up for the SFA. I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, record scratch there. Right. Uh, make sure to listen to that. That's patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. And yeah, that's everything. Tony. Uh, fuck. I thought you I had a call- decent outro going there and then I called you so Tony. No, you can call whatever you want, even if it sounds like you've got a lisp. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks very much. And yeah, thanks for listening and all that. Goodbye. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.